0: up this is barton simmons for barton and bud along with bud elliott of barton and bud we are here on sunday night you are listening to us on monday maybe maybe later Uh, but whenever you're listening to us you have no doubts uh, heard the news that the coaching carousel is spinning Uh, we have got our first Big time power five coaching move, but We've seen it. We've seen a couple, uh, a couple decisions take place at Southern Miss, and who's the other one that's open right now? Utah State. Um, and now we've got a we got sort of a, a domino, uh, and Will Muschamp off the board at South Carolina. Um, after a 59 to 42 loss to Ole Miss over the weekend, so we'll get into that. We'll, we'll talk about the all the kind of some of the the, the observations we had over the weekend. But I, I don't know, Bud. Feels like feels like big news that we're popping off with um, off the jump here on Sunday evening. It, it does, Barton, because I, I think there are a lot of schools out there,
1: right, who you know, maybe didn't want to fire a coach during a pandemic. I mean, South Carolina is going to have what a 59 million dollar loss. In the athletic department this year, I, I think I read, and yet if they're willing to do it, I, I think other schools might as well. Um, maybe not everybody. I still think we'll have a little bit lighter of a carousel compared to normal. But I mean, look, man, like that's that's a pretty big deal, you know, to to ha- have an SEC job open that that's not a Vanderbilt, that's not you know a, a Mississippi State, and Will Muschamp, uh, what what did he go, three bowls in 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 four years. This year, I guess they were bowl eligible, but I don't know really who was going to pick them, you know, to to come to their bowl since everybody is bowl eligible. Uh, You know, sub five hundred record there out South Carolina six and seven, nine and four, seven and six, four and eight, and then this year uh, obviously off to a a, you know really bad start as well. And like ultimately, it they they did get torched on defense in this last game, and and they've had some games this year where, where they've given up a lot of points, but but the overall issue with must champs teams throughout his entire career has been deep or has been the offense. They just can't score points reliably. And it it is kind of ironic to me that the game that got him fired, like the final straw was the team being unable to do the thing that he was actually known for. So I'm interested to kind of hear your thoughts. Like, do do you think this firing was, was justified? I know I've been kind of like, let's not fire anybody during COVID unless what they're doing matches up with the reason you would have fired them pre-COVID, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. I I mean, I, I did. So I, I touched on this on the cover three pod and I'll regurgitate it a little bit because I think it's relevant. I, I mentioned this before I, I had any inclination that Will Muschamp was about to get fired. Uh, but I, I kind of made the, and, and and I had Muschamp in mind in part when I was talking about this, but i talked about the idea of like, this is very much a, 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 a mulligan season, this is a season in which like no one really, it's, it's, it's unfair to judge everybody because we don't know what kind of COVID issues they're dealing with. We don't know what kind of, um, you know, what kind of buy-in they've got from their team through all this, what kind of, uh, personal issues they may be dealing with. Like who knows? Like, it's just, it's a mess. There was no spring practice, like different varying levels of spring practice. And so everyone really should just get a gimme. But you can't actually, like in, in reality, like it's different than in theory. And in reality is, what what's the record right now? Two and four? Two and five? Yeah. Two and five, like that is a real record. That represents real domination. That represents real discouragement from recruits. That represents real... Uh, apathy from a fan base that represents a lot of things that are really happening and it, you can't just call it a mulligan. And so I think the 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 further we get into this season and the more some of these win-loss records start to go south, I, I think the idea that it's going to be just a conference-only slate and that, oh, we should all, everything should be sort of judged on a curve, I think that's going to get thrown out the window when you're losing by 30 and when the team starts to quit on you and when the fan base starts to turn and like all these pressures start to mount that are real and the recruiting implications and fundraising implications and everything, like whatever your, whatever your financial situation is at your school of choice, it's going to be worse if people like start shutting down the checkbook because they hate the head coach, like whatever it is. And so like that it's, it's a, as, as this has now happened and as Will Muschamp has now been fired and, and that that's the, the first, again, kind of power five domino has fallen, I wouldn't be surprised at all if suddenly all this talk about quiet season, quiet carousel, no one's got the, the stomach to make a move like this, the optics are bad, the finances aren't there. It wouldn't shock me. I'm not saying I expect this, but it wouldn't shock me if – Suddenly, there's a normalcy to this. The seal has been broken, and now everyone's like, you know what? I don't be the one. I don't want to be the one that like held on too long, that missed my chance, that missed my window, that didn't get uh, an opportunity when the pickings were ripe uh, this cycle for that right head coach. South Carolina's got they got free reign right now. They can pick whoever the hell they want. They want Hugh Freeze, they go get them. You know, they want to take a swing at. Matt Campbell, whoever the hot name is, take a swing. Uh, they're, they're uncontested right now. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if now that they've, they've made the move, that suddenly like the other AD that was, didn't quite have the stomach for it suddenly gets a little bit more of an appetite.
1: I, I think that's completely fair. Uh, so I, I was born in 85. I, were you, 83,
0: 82-ish? 81, old head.
1: 81, okay. All right, so coaches at South Carolina – and their records since Barton was born. I think it's, it's, it's a fairly relevant sample set. Jim uh, Jim Carlin, never heard of him, 45 and 36. Richard Bell went four and seven in one year. Joe Morrison, 39, 28. That was kind of a you know pretty gold, golden uh, era there for them. Sparky Woods, 24 and 28. Brad Scott, 23 and 32. Lou Holtz, 33 and 37. Steve Sprayer, 86 and 49. Sean Elliott, one and five on the interim basis. Will Muschamp, 28 and 30. This job, if you take it, is a job that's going to get you rich. It's going to set up your family to have generational wealth for years to come because you're probably going to walk away with $30 million guaranteed money. But here's the deal. You're probably going to walk away, and you're probably not going to win anything of significance. There's nothing in South Carolina's history that suggests you can win big, at South Carolina, I, I like to play a game when evaluating the quality of jobs. And I, I like to think about, okay, if they're doing everything right and they're operating at peak efficiency and everybody else they play is too, just to, to kind of assume everybody's doing their, their very best. In how many games would they be favored on an annual basis? And when I play that game with South Carolina, underdog to Florida, underdog Georgia, underdog to Tennessee, although I'm sure South Carolina fans would disagree. I don't really care. Their cross-divisional rival is A&M. They're going to be an annual underdog to A&M. So that's four. Most likely the other team they catch from the West, they're going to be a dog too as well, I, I think I think the odds say. Um, and then they're kind of on that level of Kentucky, Missouri. They'll usually be favored over Vanderbilt. So I really define South Carolina going 3-5 and five in the SEC as a success like successful to me as somebody who's not a South Carolina fan and not a South Carolina hater. I just say if they go three and five, that's great. Good good job, South Carolina. If they manage to go four and four in a given year, that's awesome. And that sounds depressing and maybe it is for South Carolina fans, but like I don't fault them in any way for firing Will Muschamp. If you have the cash to do it, or more importantly, if you're worried that you won't have the cash to do it, like you just said, because people who have pledged money all of a sudden aren't fulfilling those pledges, which has happened at some schools previously which caused some coaches to get fired like if you got to make the move now you got to make the move now and like man how depressing it is if you just think yeah we're stuck with will Muschamp forever like what did will Muschamp do to get that get that job nothing they just kind of assumed that he had some coaching ability that he couldn't recognize at florida he never had a good offense everybody agrees he's a great dude and ray tanner the baseball coach south carolina turned ad hired him but I don't blame South Carolina fans for wanting him out at all, and I don't blame South Carolina for for going out and trying to punch above their weight class. I, I hope they do go find somebody that's awesome.
0: It was a terrible hire, and that's not even meant as a knock on Muschamp. It's like it sounds weird, but like I'm not even saying he was bad. Like he was perfectly decent as a head coach at South Carolina. He wasn't good enough, but he was perfectly decent. He was kind of average. But the the hire, like retrospectively, when you think back on that hire. He had just got done failing at a program in the same division that's better equipped to be successful, and he's hired for a more difficult job in that same division. I just it like it doesn't make any sense to have gone and made that hire. Um, And so, I agree with what you're saying about sort of South Carolina's um, ceiling, South Carolina's median level of expectation, right? And and yet I think because those expectations are what they are, because there is a ceiling on it, is probably in some ways why I'm I'm okay making this move. Because at some point, like you have to decide, hey, like we're striving to be better than this. We're not good enough. There is no indication that we're going to take a step and you can look, you can, you don't have to leave your state to find a program that has up in a dramatic way. And so that's probably a problem here for, for Will Muschamp for whoever's the head coach of South Carolina. No doubt. I mean, it obviously is like you're being measured unfairly though. It might be against Clemson right now, at least in some degree. And like, it's I, and and I understand the the impulse and the the uh, inclination for a South Carolina fan to be like, look, man, get like get get us somewhere closer. And I think it'd be one thing if we're sitting here and Florida and Georgia and uh, I don't know Kentucky, whoever are like perennial playoff contenders. And I know Georgia is, but they've. Developed into that while Muschamp has been here like Florida now is they've developed into that since Muschamp has been there. Kentucky is not, but they've developed into a better program than Muschamp since Muschamp's been there. He's already sort of missed the window of like Tennessee sucking, Florida sucking, Georgia getting going, Vanderbilt being like, like, you know, this like SEC East doldrums are kind of over right now, especially right. when we're sitting here looking at Dan Mullen starting to tear up uh, Florida the way he is this season. So this is like, it's only going to get worse from here. And, and, you know, like on the surface with Will Muschamp, like nothing you're really looking at. I mean, you can say, you can sort of, uh, distill it down to, yeah. All right. Uh, offense had never been there. Like we need better offense. Um, ironically, like I feel more confident in the direction of their offense right now with Mike Bobo and Colin Hill and Luke Doty and what they've got coming in the way they're with the way they're trying to recruit speed more at the receiver position. Like there's a lot of things that lead me to believe that for the first time in maybe much champs career offensively, like they may be making some smarter decisions and yet like to this point, there's like they're really he has not shown any indication he's not shown any reason to believe that this that this thing will will change um and it's kind of interesting how quick the like you can drop off the cliff because his first three years six and seven nine and four and seven and six like if you can sort of pace back and forth between that like six to nine wins just like this like pendulum swing of six to nine wins back and forth back and forth you can probably tread water at south carolina for a a nice long clip but you you dip down to four and eight and then you get to this year where you're two and five and you're getting some ugly losses in there they're going they're they're going to lose their patience real quick so it's just I, i think this was i think it was time
1: I, I completely agree with the time. I I don't really think South Carolina is a job that that should be included the the nine dash, in in, in the swing there. Right. I I think it's more of that kind of five and seven to eight to eight dash. But know, I mean, like they've the been like hard. Like, like,
0: like, are you are you saying like Steve Spurrier set t- like too lofty of expectations? Absolutely,
1: he did. I mean, yes, that, went, that, that, 11 is totally, wins, that is totally unrealistic three
0: straight years, which is sort of wild.
1: Yeah. And they've played football since 1892. And I think those are the only two. I mean, you're talking about two out of a hundred. I, I don't know. Like I, I just went back and looked since this program joined the sec. Let me give you a guess here. How many guys who coached South Carolina went on to ever become a head coach again, anywhere?
0: I mean, I'm sitting here looking at the list and they joined not, in what 70. There's not a lot of names. There's not a lot of names that I've, that have uh, put together a strong resume beyond South Carolina. <laughs> so right, well, uh, the
1: listeners at home have probably made their guess. It's zero. This yeah. is a dead-end paycheck job. If you take this job, you're taking it for the check. And because you want to say you coach in the SEC, it's not a stepping stone job. Like, I mean, we, we have 50 years of this now, of, of, of this. And they like, what, what's what's the path for you to go get hired elsewhere out of this job? Hey, look, I South Carolina's a really hard job, and I and I won eight games a couple times. Like it, it's you're gonna get you're gonna get a whole lot of money out of this, but you know, Clemson as your annual non conference game, and they also like to schedule difficult games out of conference, which is absolutely insane. Like they're playing UNC in the non conference some years in, in those neutral site games in Charlotte. I just I don't know. I I am not super high on this
0: um, on as, the job. job. And-
1: so let's let's talk, let's transition into guys. Yeah. Like, I think it's a great job to get paid and mm-hmm. it's, they have awesome fans and they have really nice facilities. So in theory, you should be able to win there. Right.
0: But here, but here, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me present the uh, Dells' advocate then. All right. Um, All right. So they've been in the SEC since 92. All right. They, they've had oh, 92, s- excuse me. So So their last
1: conference championship was 69. I I was looking at that when they left the ACC. um,
0: Apologies. No, no. Yeah, all good. So since 92, they've had one, two, three, four, five coaches, if you don't include the interim, Sean Elliott. So five coaches. You got Sparky Woods as one of them. You got Brad Scott as one of them. You got Lou Holt, Steve Spurrier, and Will Muschamp. All right. So, of those five coaches, could you not just make make an argument here that they've they've failed on three hires and they've hit on two? I mean, Lou Holtz. I mean, and, and that wasn't like a wildly successful regime, but like he went eight wins and nine wins. Um, Steve Spurrier, we just talked about, it. he went to he went eleven wins, like tw- three times. I think. And I don't know, like, I'm not even necessarily presenting that I have, like, I feel like this is some, like, like elite job. Uh, it's, it's not. But I just sort of wonder, you, you know, you mentioned two things they do have. Like, they have facilities, and they have a fan base. Like, this is a, I remember, because I'm from Nashville, and I remember in in, like, the late, mid to late 90s, Vanderbilt was, like, the worst team in America. And South Carolina, for a couple of those years, wasn't a whole lot better. But when they were going like one in ten under Brad Scott in 1998, like I could be imagining this, but as I recall, like there were still fans in those seats. Oh yeah, I mean they were still like getting after it and 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 going to those games. Like that fan base is kind of uh, surprisingly rabid, and so if you got support, if you got facilities. If you got people that want to win within the administration, if you're within a footprint where you can bring in elite talent, do you think that in some way they have just been a program that has been underutilized, and that if you get a good hire in, the ceiling could perhaps raise significantly? I, I, I'm I kind of wonder that.
1: I'm yeah, not saying, I, I'm not. I think it's, it's possible. Like, I, I do. If I'm taking this job, though, we'll we'll get to candidates here in a second. I think that's an interesting discussion as well. But if I'm taking this job, I need you to not schedule any Power Five teams other than Clemson in my non-conference. I need you to I need to guarantee me you're going to give me a chance to go three and zero in my three non-Clemson games every year, right? I need you to understand that five and seven is not a bad year at South Carolina. It's not my goal. But like, if I go five and seven, like, dude, I can go five and seven and win a lot of the games I'm supposed to win, win more of the games that I'm supposed to win than not. And then still just lose the games that I'm the big underdog in, you know, and, and, and be you know splitting some of those other ones. I, I need those guaranteed wins and they have not done that in, in, in recent memory. If you look at their scheduling and I'm, I'm going to pull up their, their future schedules here. Um, I remember taking a look at this a couple years ago. I'm like, what is South Carolina doing? Like they you know, they they can have decent teams and still have no shot. So the future schedule is actually not that terrible for the most yeah, part. I can't really
0: think of any like they have in they
1: have North Carolina in 23. Um next year they actually have three cupcakes in, in eastern Illinois, East Carolina, and Troy. So not cupcake, cupcakes, those two, but like those are wins if you're doing your job. You know, Georgia State, uh Charlotte, Wofford, those should be wins. 23, they get UNC. They they've scheduled you know a home and home with Miami in 2026. That's what I want to get out of. Like 26, 27, we're playing Miami. Like that's that's not great. That's two more losses on my schedule most likely. Even if, even if I'm doing a good job, you know, depending on what Miami does. But they they need those guaranteed wins. There's not enough of them there at South Carolina. Even if I'm doing a good job. But I I think you're right though that some coach will be attracted to this because of facilities because of the fan base because of the recruiting footprint although it's heavily shared with everybody else. And let's be real here, this is still a I think probably a top 30 or eh, top 35 ish job in college football because of the money. Because you can have a staff because you like there's only so many schools that can pay like this. Somebody somebody's going to take this job and be really happy to get it.
0: All right, so where where should they go? Where's where's what's the there's there's been some names thrown about um, Let's just sort of run through a few of them uh, like Hugh Freeze, Billy Napier, Scott Satterfield, Sarkeesian, the Clemson coordinators, Will Healy at Charlotte, um, Jamie Chadwell, who's in state guy who's, who's uh, having success at Coastal, obviously. Um, any others oh. out there that are being tossed about
1: um, a monk in an army? Uh, apparently he was at at Georgia Southern when the uh, when the South Carolina president was there at Georgia Southern. I, saying, I think site. the South Carolina
0: president came from sorry uh, from Army, uh, not not Georgia Southern from Army. Yeah, apologies. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, there's some kind of Georgia Southern connection there too. I was reading about earlier, but I, I I can't place it. So uh, I guess we start at the top. Billy Napier, guy is. You know he comes, he understands the Sabin system. He's worked with Dabo, so he has a lot of experience with you know both of those kind of coaching trees that have won national championships in recent years. He's done a really good job at Louisiana of recruiting and developing. I know you and I are both really big fans of the recruiting job that he's done there. Um, they have a decent chance to you know win a conference championship here in one of these coming years. They've played for it a couple times now. Uh, you know barely losing the app one year and losing a little bit a little bit bigger another year. They got a signature win this year going on, on the road uh, and and you know beating the Big 12 team. I I think this could be a, a decent fit. My question is and he's an offensive guy, whereas Muschamp was was not. Is is he enough different like, like if, if you're South Carolina, are you scared? Like is, is he too Saban E? And and I, I mean that in a negative way but it also could be a positive. But like you just had Muschamp, do you worry that he's like too much off that same tree? Does, does that bother you if you're a Gamecock AD?
0: No, I think Billy Napier is. I I, I cringe and I hesitate to say home run because who the hell knows. Um, but I think he would be a great hire because of a lot of things you're saying. First of all, he is. He's put together really effective and successful offenses at Louisiana and at Arizona State. He built those offenses like over the course of his career, like in, in his his mind's eye. Um, he's failed once already at Clemson. He's learned from that. He is a Nick Saban guy, but he is not a Nick Saban personality. Like he has all the Nick Saban tricks that he has accumulated working under. Nick Saban, and yet, like when you talk to people that have played for him, coached with him, he, he's a he's like Nick Saban with like the Dabo Sweeney. Nick Saban from a you know recruiting and 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 um, attention to detail and organization and a lot of that stuff, but he's Dabo Sweeney from like a quality of life, from a style of coaching, from a, like a love them up sort of perspective. Like so. In a way, I think Billy Napier is this uh like a, a more modern coach with all of the old school um all, all the positives of like an old school coach still ingrained in him. And he played at Furman. He's he knows the area, he's coached to Clemson, obviously. He and, and I do think it's it's not a small deal that like he's got like I don't think I don't know of another coach that has coach significantly under Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. No, this is a, this is a guy that can evaluate, he can recruit, he can coach and he can, and, and he can develop and he can hire, like he's had to hire a great staff at Louisiana. Um, So much so that that's gotten poached uh, a time or two in in the last couple of years. Like I know that that's the name that is like, it's not the sexiest name for a casual college football fan. But I think if you followed what he's done closely over the last like four years since he left Alabama, he's he is he would be a really strong hire, I think.
1: So last year he declined to pursue opportunities at Mississippi State and Arkansas. Did he also decline Baylor or or was Baylor the one he wanted and didn't get? I think
0: Baylor, I think he wanted Baylor and it and uh and they win Aranda. But I think he turned down Mississippi State. Or at least at least and, shun their advances.
1: And uh and, and apparently Arkansas as well, according to the uh, the Big Spur site, BigSpur.com, which is our South Carolina twenty four seven site. Be sure to check those guys out. They do really good work. Um so let me ask you this. Why would Napier take South Carolina if he wouldn't
0: want to take Arkansas?
1: Is it just the division? Because
0: it's in the it's in the SEC East for one. And he's, he's been in Alabama, right? Like he knows what he's up against there. Like he's, I remember having a, 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 interview with him for, um, social distance. And I asked him about the group of five playoffs. Like, Hey, like, do you think that you should be in the playoffs? And he was like, man, I have, like I've played in those playoffs. Like I've been in those games. I know what that's like, uh, probably not like let's i think there should be a group of five playoff or group of five championship or something like that so i think that there's a i i took that to mean like he understands the monster that that is the monster like the the mountain you're climbing in the sec west i think he would view it as a as as the east being a more like goals being more achievable a and b he like again he is. He played football at Furman. He coached at Clemson. Like he knows that area. He is comfortable there. Like that's home, and so I think it would just be a. I think it would fit better than say going to like a Mississippi State or an Arkansas, both of which I think are programs that he would probably view as as just more difficult to win.
1: And, and you know what? he'd probably be right to be honest. Like I think you're, I think you're favored in probably one more conference game per year. If, if you take South Carolina as opposed to Mississippi state or Arkansas and I mean look the difference between going three and five and four and four in the eyes of fans is is pretty damn big if for some reason Napier didn't get the job and I, I I think a lot of people seem to believe he's the favorite for the gig and i I don't disagree with you that from the South Carolina perspective that's probably a home run you know if you're Napier I do think you're probably looking a little worried like man is this it like if I take this job could this be my, my last coaching stop? You know, given mm-hmm. what's happened to everybody's coach there, but to your point, some of those guys have been older. You know, it may, it may not be the dead end job that it looks like from the outside. Um, but if, if they can get him, there's no doubt. Other names you mentioned that are interesting to me, I I don't know that Scott Satterfield really would want to start over and, and get into that. Um, Jamie Chadwell at Coastal, a guy that we've been very high on for a lot of this year. You know, I, I wonder, you know, I, I wonder if they'd be cool with like who he has on his staff, his recruiting connections, ability to play the game at that level. But there's no doubt the guy has, has coached really well. He's also did a really nice job at Charleston Southern, which obviously, you know, a lot of ties there in the state. Joe Brady is nearby as well. Doing an OC work with the Carolina Panthers. If they really want to shoot the moon and
0: I don't get the Joe Brady thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get, I get why he's an appealing name just from a, uh- from a sex appeal standpoint, like where like the guy just put together, like he, he sort of like flipped LSU's offense on his head and created like the best offense in the history of college football. And so I, I understand that, but what, like, why do we have any, any reason to believe like forgetting about the, like, first of all, he, I don't think he would ever come to like back to the, to the sec or the college football. Like he's in a great spot. He's offensive coordinator to of the Panthers. Right. And, but secondly, uh, wh- why do we even believe that he would be a great head coach? Maybe he would, but he's been a coordinator. He's a he's not he's been a like co-coordinator an once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like yeah. So it's like what what do we, I mean? I don't know. What are we talking about here? Like just we're just because he like is good at like he, he's because he's got some good stuff in his bag of tricks from schematic standpoint. Like he's going to be able to just run a program. Maybe. I mean, maybe he's like, if he sits down an interview like he's got a great, like he's got his old, like Ed Ogeron bot binder that he right. can like present all his like ideas for program building and sustaining and all that stuff. But like, I'm just not, I don't really get that one. Anyways, go ahead.
1: No, I, I think that's actually pretty fair. All right. So Shane Beamer. He's uh yeah,
0: what's that what's up with that one too by so, the way. So
1: he was on like I'm, I'm just going down the list here. Uh he he was on Steve Spurrier's staff 2007 to 2010. I, I think they like him there. He did really good recruiting work for them when he was there in in the latter part of that decade. Um you know, he he has a one-and-no record uh as a head coach uh because he he coached them in the bowl game after after the Elder Beamer was sidelined. Yeah, I, I don't really know about that one. Here's a name I'll I'll throw out at left field. And and you already mentioned Will Healy, so I'll I'll let you talk about Healy. But what what about Neil Brown? Neil Brown's doing a hell of a job at West Virginia, and yet it is still really hard to recruit at West Virginia. And you're always going to be on the razor's edge there in Morgantown having to play in the Big 12. Not really near any kind of recruiting base. I mean, he's doing such a good job there, I think. Do you think he'd want to get back to the Southeast?
0: this is year this, this is year 2 in yeah. west virginia it's an interesting it's an interesting um to sit, uh, that that would be an interesting decision for him my, my like is that is south carolina um a better job than west virginia what is do like to do do you think it, i mean I
1: like don't know.
0: i would guess i would guess he makes like Three and a half million, three million.
1: So, South, South Carolina probably pays about a million million more per. So, it's it's not a huge huge jump. I mean, it's a jump, obviously. You know, it's a jump that you and I would take, but you know, ultimately, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So, what? No, that's a good
1: question.
0: Because would you? Because here's what I'm thinking too: is like, it strikes me. You're right. It's a little bit tricky to recruit to West Virginia in the Big Twelve, but is it? It seems entirely more attainable to be a big 12 champion than an SEC champion or an SEC, even an SEC East champion at South Carolina. Don't you think can West Virginia, like West Virginia is, is the, is the climb of West Virginia over Oklahoma, uh, a, a more attainable climb than that of South Carolina over Georgia and Florida.
1: I, Ooh, I think you have more teams to get over to get to the top of the big 12, but I don't think you have quite as many juggernauts. Although if, if Oklahoma, yeah, it's just, and Te- it's, it's,
0: you have the same amount, you have, you have, you have Texas and Oklahoma, right. And well, you got Georgia and Florida and the SC.
1: Yeah. And you have a and M every year. Cause that, that's, that's your cross divisional opponent too. And, yeah, and they're doing pretty but well. I
0: mean, I I'm with you on like the, the idea of him as being like a quality candidate. I, I I'd be a believer in Neil Brown, just about anywhere. Um, but I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure if it's worth, uh, that feels like a lateral move to me in some degrees.
1: You know, he's got a he, big game this weekend, bird. Uh-huh. Hugh freeze.
0: I was going to say, man, we're, we, this, we're uh how long we in this podcast, like 30 minutes in, we yeah. haven't mentioned Hugh freeze. Hey, listen, Hugh freeze is, like I said, that Billy Napier is a home run. That would be a home run to me. Um, I think Hugh Freeze is a home run and I understand why like there would be hesitation. I understand why a certain type of athletic director, president and Bob Castle and the president at South Carolina is like a former army guy. Um, and so maybe like the integrity question is, is unanswered there with Hugh Freeze is, is not like, uh, you know, isn't going to cut it. Ray Tanner apparently according to, Our our birds and the South Carolina circle or doesn't like Hugh Freeze that much. Like there's there's stuff working against Hugh Freeze, but I'm just sitting here telling you: Is there a coach you are more confident would be a good football coach? Get your team more talented. Get your team more competitive. Make you like put you on equal footing in the SEC. Like like, which like I would be shocked. If South Carolina hired Hugh Freeze and in three years, they're four and eight shocked, like dumbfounded.
1: Because you know, they'll score enough to to not lose these some of these shitty teams.
0: And conversely, if South Carolina hires Hugh Freeze and they're like, you know, legitimately like in the running for an, for like uh, playing in Atlanta late in the year uh, and year three, I wouldn't be shocked. It would not surprise me. I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe my, my, my faith in Hugh is, um is just, maybe I'm just getting caught up on this Liberty run, but like Liberty really wasn't even supposed to be good this year. They lost, they lost a NF, NFL guy. They lost their quarterback. They lost like, th- this was not even a team that returned a whole lot. And here they are undefeated 22nd in the country.
1: You raise a lot of I really good coach. points. Like a lot of really good points. I, one of the concerns with Hugh Freeze is is not just you know the, the, the NCAA stuff. It's like, do, can administrators trust him because he wasn't honest with the people at Old Miss, right? Like that that's what that's what they'll tell you is like he wasn't straight with us. And like, you can you can be all you know fake preachy and whatnot in public, and you can do all that kind of stuff. And I I think he certainly is that. But you you need to be able to to, to be square with the folks in your own building you know, and, and and let them know kind of what's really going on. I don't mean the the, the text and stuff. I mean, the utter the NCAA stuff. And I think if you're an AD, that's going to give you pause, right? Like I, I need to know you're my most important hire I'm going to make. You're going to run like the, in many cases, the only business that makes money in our entire athletic department. I need to know you can be honest with me and, and straight up with me. If, if there's something going on, I need to know about it, right? Like that. that's, I think what scares off a lot of people, in the business from Hugh Freeze. It's not the other stuff. It's the, like the, you know, believing in his, believe in his own tales and, and not being straight with people in the building. That, that's what I think pissed off all Miss people so bad. Um, you know I mean? The NCAA troubles f- in its wake. Okay, whatever. But the, the honesty question is, is a big one.
0: Who, what, do you remember what, uh, this is, I'd be impressed if you knew this, um, but who, who do you know what athletic director hired Hugh freeze? I don't, I'm just, I'm asking. So this isn't, a, this isn't like a pop quiz. I'm just I curious.
1: It, I think it was actually when they had a committee and it was Archie Manning. Okay. I I, I well, think
0: here's the point. I'm the point I'm like was, was getting to is that I bet no one's pissed off at Archie Manning right now. No. Like I live in Nashville there's a lot of old Miss people in this town. Some of my best friends are old Miss people. Um, and you know what's like universal among them is, hell, I'd do it again. Like, that was fun. That Ole Miss, that Ole Miss no tenure doubt. was fun. That Hugh Freeze tenure was fun. They don't give a rip that like he, you know, and I get it. Like this is, and this is coming totally from an uh, uninvested fan. Uh, an uninvested observer in me, an unobsessed, like these people don't have to answer, like deal with the, the aftermath in a, in like a very, um, you know, literal way uh, that like an athletic director that hires Hugh freeze and has to take on that baggage would, would um, have to deal with, but Ole Miss fans, I would, I would just venture to guess like 95% of them would, would, wouldn't change a thing about hiring Hugh Freeze, about how that all went down. They got to beat Alabama twice. Are you kidding me? You know, like that. that, And so I'm just saying, man, like when you're, when, 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 like that's what that's, that's athletic directors. Like I'm talking to you guys, like y'all are going to be judged by how like the, I don't know. Like I, I'm not. I guess I shouldn't even say that because I'm not. I, I just know from the fans you're going to be judged. I don't know how you, you know, the presidents, the board of trusts, like all those folks. Like I don't know. Maybe the fans maybe they'll are have your your shareholders, fed. though,
1: dude. I mean, the, the, the yeah. fans are your shareholders. Like they're they're the ones who donate.
0: They want to win. Yeah. So
1: and they want to have I mean, fun. Like Old Miss to have games, fun, but yeah. they, they were entertaining. Like like ultimately, this is an entertainment thing. Most people Lane, are not going. to.
0: Lane Kip has got a long leash right now. In in Oxford because the what doesn't matter what the like it does matter what the record is, but he's putting together a pretty average season this year in a really extraordinary way, and people are going to be on board with that.
1: I agree. I could I see it at South Carolina? Yes. Do I think it's gonna happen? Probably not, but I I can't totally write it off. And, and I don't, if, th- yeah, if right. it goes there, I don't think it'd be a, I don't know that it would be a disaster. You know, I mean, I think he could do something there.
0: But it feels like, oh man, it's just, it it feels like to me that the Hugh Freeze thing ends at, at Auburn. It just feels like that's, <laughs> oh it feels God. like that's like just where this is heading. And I'm not saying this year, I'm just saying sooner or later, it just feels it feels right for, for that to be where he lands.
1: I mean, God's Tigers. The, oh, dude, just <laughs> Hugh Freeze recruiting on the plains. Uh, I mean, just something, man. There's green track that all the way. Uh, I was I was kind of hoping that he would go to Vandy uh, because they don't have public records requests at, at a private school, dude. But
0: we'll take him in Nashville.
1: All right. When we get back from this ad break, I want to I want to touch on on kind of a related topic and, and apply it to some different schools. Everybody, sit tight. Listen to the deal on Spotify.
0: Let's go! It's the most all star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount Plus. Go to paramountplus.com to try it free. Terms apply.
1: One of the reasons why I think it's justifiable justifiable to fire Will Must Champ is because he's having a terrible year this year, but it matches up with prior struggles that his team had had. In terms of, you know, just poor coaching, really poor game management at at, at times. See also the the, uh, you know, the game against Florida, and and it's just it's very consistent with what he had prior. And, and I think this is a, a important distinction to draw when we talk about two guys: in Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin. Harbaugh and Franklin are both having terrible years. I mean, Penn State is zero four, and we're two weeks removed from saying is Penn State the second best team. In the Big Ten, despite their loss to Indiana, you know, given that we didn't know what was, what, what Wisconsin was going to look like, they're now zero and four. And yes, I know that was a really improbable loss to to Nebraska. If they play that game again, I'm absolutely picking Penn State after, after watching that. You know, I mean, I I don't think they could score you know that few points in the red zone if they tried. But I, I do think that this is a, a thing. Ads are going to have to look at here. Harbaugh's team is struggling. And it's struggled the past few years. Not like, you know, terrible. They haven't been awful teams. But just they don't seem to be moving in the right direction. For For Penn State, they just, they just went to a BCS Bowl last year. It does seem like this is more of a blip. And I think if you're an AD, you really have to, to look at, at the direction of the program and the total picture. And if 2020 is very different than what you normally do, I think you have to be willing to dismiss it as a blip. So I think Penn State is probably – More of a blip. I think P.J. Fleck at Minnesota this year, with them being this bad, is probably more of a blip, although it wouldn't totally shock me if 2019 was a bit of a high watermark. But Harbaugh seems to be kind of a continuation of a downward spiral there at Michigan. And now he only has one year left on his contract. They kind of have to make a decision. Like, do you extend him and give him one of these kind of fake extensions where you don't really increase the buyout at all, just so you can say you have an extension for recruiting? or does does he decide to walk away? I I I'm interested in this and and what happens here.
0: I'm curious um like this is one of those in my little like opening like speech about uh you know it doesn't matter that this is a gimme year that doesn't matter that this is the circumstances are weird the the record is what the record is. That said, I do I do wonder Michigan is one of those teams I wish I had their original record pulled up, which I had it in front of me somewhere.
1: Which which record but do you want?
0: Just like the original, I'm sorry, not record, schedule. Like what their 2020 schedule in a regular year is supposed to look, look like. Got it. Because, yeah, what... <laughs> we're sitting here and look, I don't, I don't have any misconceptions that they would have been not... They wouldn't have had a great year regardless. But the like the way this has played out, not having a spring for Joe Milton to really get his feet wet, uh, you know, ha- having missing a lot of the opportunity to grow in this offense, to to grow in this defense, to to, to build some confidence. Like, I just feel like it could have helped this team. um, And, and but here we are and it's one and three and it's a bad, bad look. And, you know, t- 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 I just think part of the problem with Harbaugh is, the bads have looked so bad that it's just not what you, it's like not what you want to see. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't engender any confidence in the, in the trajectory of the future of the program. Like it feels like when you hit your head on the ceiling in Michigan, like you're hitting it on like an iron ceiling, like you are not breaking through that thing. And, and, and and when you when you drop down, like the basement's low. And so, yeah, like this is. Meanwhile, like yeah, I mean, I think James Franklin. uh there, there was the, you know, the Michigan optimism is like a reluctant optimism. Like heading into the season, you're like, oh, you know what? Like, oh, God, this has got to be. The, they got to be good, right? Like, it's one of, some of these days they got to be good. Whereas the 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 Penn State optimism heading into this year was sort of a, I think the, you know, the line graph the the data points. To have demonstrated some sort of sort of long term upward slope, and and this to your point is just a kind of an outlier season. And they do. I mean, the, the the Maryland game was horrible, but aside from the Maryland game, they haven't looked bad. They've looked like they've had some serious holes in the product, especially like last weekend, like you said, red zone. Like there's a hole. There's a big major hole there. Uh, taking care of the football, uh, but there, there's it's not good. I'm not. I'm not like defending them and saying they're they're like some sort of top fifteen team that they that got unlucky. But it's not as bad as like the one and three suggests, or the what is zero oh and four suggests. I don't think.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think Penn State had one game where it legitimately quit, and that was Maryland. I, I think they had a really bad hangover game there against Maryland. Um, and look playing close and losing against Nebraska is is not an accomplishment but they were the better team in that game as far as moving the ball and stopping the opponent from moving the ball which are the most repeatable skills that you could demonstrate you know everything else is a little bit more random not that there's not skill in being a good red zone defense or you know good red zone offense obviously there is and Penn State has lacked that skill in multiple games this year uh, but man you're right like it's it is how they look when you discuss michigan like that when 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 they lost on on that punt block against michigan state it's just it's like how does this stuff happen to michigan and and now there's there's no juice with with that michigan program like remember when harbaugh was set up with the satellite camps and everybody was talking about michigan i i remember i I went and covered uh they had spring practice at img like remember that like four or five years ago now that they went down there and, and that was big and and Harbaugh was was a total jerk to reporters, and everybody thought it was hilarious. And you know, uh, what, what was it? The uh, I um, one of the reporters asked him like something about like like guys or or the, the guys or, or or the kids. And he's like, "You mean the men? Are men? You know, like Michigan is not playing like men right now, you know they're they're not." I I don't know what you do with this. I'm not convinced that Michigan's gonna gonna make a move here. I it wouldn't shock me if they basically give a, a toothless extension. On that contract, and just say, okay, like here, you have a four-year contract. The buyout's not increased at all. Just so you can continue to recruit. We'll, we'll evaluate you next year.
0: What if they just let the contract run out? Like, does that ever happen? Well, there's one year Is left it, on
1: it. I just for recruiting
0: purposes. I'm just saying, yeah, no, whatever. I know. I get. I, like, what if they oh, just said, "Hey, man, you got, you got one more year. Let's just, let's just play this out. See what happens next year. Hey, maybe you blow it out and and you're you crush it and and then, hey, you may you may have an extension by midseason. But I don't know. <laughs> maybe they just say, all right, another eight and four season next year. Contract's up. We're just not going to renew you. We're going to move on. Has that ever happened in college football? I'm
1: sure gotta, it has. I'm sure like, it's happened
0: in a group of five. I can't think of a power five situation where they just sort of let the contract run out. It's just almost always like, feel this inclination, like as if like recruits are checking contracts before they commit somewhere like, Oh, but he, he didn't get an extension yet. I'm not going to commit quite yet. Talk to me when you get that extension or, Oh, you're extended. Well, sign me up. Like, give me a break. I, like it's such a farce the way these contracts are always extended for no reason. Um, I just, Michigan should just be a, you know, just, Hey, it's a contract year next year. Do it in every other industry. Like it's a contract year.
1: I'm, I'm 100% okay with, with, with Michigan just saying, all right, I'm going to give you a 20 year extension. No no more, no increased buyout. Like, okay, like buyouts the same. Great. You have recruiting security for here on out. If we want to fire you after next year, no problem yeah. with that. I did find their original schedule, by the way. Uh, and to your point, talk to me about it. If, if bring, they did, break it down that, for me. That could be like the loser leaves town match in wrestling, you know, where it's like, all right, the, the loser's got to go out of this. Here we go. So, uh, Wisconsin. Penn State at Washington, at Michigan State, at Minnesota, and wait, Ohio no, wait, State.
0: Wait, wait. This was Michigan's original schedule?
1: Yeah. This is why, like, the Michigan's schedule did not get tougher a- after the redo.
0: It got easier.
1: Basically. They, they don't so, have to play
0: wait, Washington. Wait, wait, this is wait. No, this, wait hold, on, hold on. That wasn't chronological.
1: No, no, but the Yeah, yeah, them. okay.
0: So here's the, here's the, all right. So, all right. All right. All right. right, So back up. Do you have it? Do you have it chronological? Like, do you have the list of games in the order they would appear on the schedule? Uh, I I got I I got my Phil Steele upstairs. I should grab that. Cause I got like my point partially was the idea that, I mean, anyone can make this excuse, but I mean, hell, like if you're just getting your feet wet a couple weeks, get some of these kind of warm up games, East, I don't know. They had that at Minnesota and didn't, it didn't help them much. Huh? I don't know. Maybe, there's, maybe there is no excuse because they were bad on offense last night or Saturday. Oh, They were yeah. bad. Um, 98 yards been, and, passing and they, for Milton. And they've been worse on defense. Um, so I, I think the problem I have with Harbaugh as a head coach. And why I do think it's time is because everything he's done has been very much because you talked about the satellite camps and going to Europe and going to have spring practice at IMG and it's all, a, it's it's like all very much, you know, we're going to do it as full speed as we can. We're going to, make a splash. We're going to hire the biggest names we can find. We're going to steal this coach from this guy. We're going to I'm going to spend the night at the kicker's house I'm recruiting like it's all this stuff. But I can't I can't really discern what the plan is. I can't really discern like when they're making like what the meaningful effective decisions that have been made are or whether it's just Hey, we're gonna live life full speed ahead, like hop on board and hang on tight. Like there's I mean, I kind of admire that approach. I just don't know if it's the best approach to to run a football program of the magnitude that Michigan is.
1: I don't disagree at all. Let me ask you this would you rather be Michigan's A D or would you rather be USC's A D?
0: Oh man, that's a tough one. I think. Oh man, do you have an answer to that? While I'm thinking about it, I'll give you I, I one. I literally just thought about the fact. questions.
1: I was like, I don't know, man. I mean, this is this is tough, right? Like USC is two and zero. Oh, they easily could be zero oh and two, and have not looked good in in either game.
0: Should be yeah. They got, oh, they got outplayed, really. Yeah. Both. I mean, if they uh, could win the uh, conference.
1: I don't think they will win the conference, but like they, they I think will probably I think, win the South.
0: I think I have my answer. I think, and it's crazy to say this because, um, like in some ways, the answer is Michigan. Like it's just you know, Harbaugh's prickly. The this thing is, I feel like the fan base is so over it at this point. Ohio State is so far gone in terms of competitive balance. It, you know, you're but. And and yet, I think Michigan from a hardball has been essentially successful. Not essentially, like like by any definition, like he's been successful. And so you know, let's keep on rolling. Down year this year, a lot of issues. Let's get back to ten wins next year, and we're good. With USC, I feel like you're you're missing a window here of. Of competitiveness in the Pac-12 that you might that might be tough to get back. Your your recruiting is sinking year over year. Your your roster is 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 depleting. You have like the talent, like you have underachieved from a talent perspective for the really the entirety of the Clay Hilton tenure, and suddenly you've got like the Oregon starting to step up in the north, like you still like right now you can still turn the car on and you're going to be the best team in the pac 12 South and probably pretty good chance of being the best team in the pack 12 period. But it's not going to be long before this thing atrophies enough to where it, you can't just turn it off and on like that. You might not be able to flip the switch. So I think I would cut bait before. Like, I think that that's, that's pretty critical. I think that's essential that that USC doesn't lose any more ground because USC is too it, it's it's just it's it's too sweet of a deal. It's too sweet of a situation for for them to like they should be the Ohio State of the of the Pac-12 and they still can't. Michigan's Michigan if Michigan wants to be the Ohio State of the Big 10, they got to beat Ohio State. And so that's why to me it's it's uh it's it's going to be a tough job for anybody. I agree with that. I I guess you have more cover to fire Harbaugh
1: than than you do.
0: Clay I think Hilton. you do, right? I think in, in that yeah. sense, that's why I was sort of leaning Harbaugh because I think it's an easier call to make, you know. But I think the the necessity of making the move is actually probably greater at USC.
1: I also think there are more guys who could succeed at USC than could succeed at Michigan. Right, it's probably like, true also. Yeah. Because with Harbaugh, you very much are left with the how did this not work out? Feeling? I mean, this is Jim Harbaugh, right? Michigan legend comes back like he took a team to the Super Bowl. He took San Diego and, and made them relevant in, in their division. He, he made Stanford a thing when Stanford had not been worth a damn in you and I's lifetime. It, like, he won all those places. He did all those great things and he couldn't win here. Like, who the hell are we going to go get to go and, and, and beat Ohio State if Jim Harbaugh couldn't do it? Now, I think the answer is probably. You know, a lot of people could, could take a shot at it. Maybe, maybe that guy's Matt Campbell. Maybe that guy is Luke Fickle. With USC, I guarantee you, if both USC and Michigan open, USC is getting a lot more calls. Like, if, if Penn State screws around with James Franklin, couldn't you see James Franklin saying, peace out, I'm, I'm taking my talents to L.A.? No doubt.
0: I, I mean, I, I because that thing is such a machine from a recruiting standpoint, you don't have the cupboard stocked in no time. So if you get a hardcore recruiter, yeah. And so I think that that's. I agree. I think I think USC would have people banging on the door, and and Michigan has got to be the right fit. And, and we start talking about it's got to be the right fit. And you're right. I mean, it's like it's, it's bizarre to think where this is positioned with Jim Harbaugh. It it would it was that would have been it, it was sh- it's shocking to put ourselves back in the time of the hiring and, and the inevitability of the success that was going to come. And now here we are. That's, it's very, it's a very weird, weird feeling.
1: K- keep that in mind as we go through these new hires, not not yes. you, but, but everybody out there, like there yeah. are hires we think are absolute slam dunks. And just, there's no reason why this shouldn't work out and they'll fail. And then there are hires that don't make that much sense or that have obvious red flags and somehow they're just, they turn out just fine. Like hiring is not an exact science in any way.
0: Yep, no doubt. Not Sam Pittman, Mac Brown. Uh I mean, the yeah, the the. Don't act like you know. It's like you know we we're gonna do the whole like a grade the hire stuff. Whenever the coaching carousel winds down, and we'll do it. And I like doing it, but I also. Have you know? There's no. I have no misconception. Like unless I'm sitting in the interview room, unless I hear the pitch, unless I've talked to him about the way he plans on building the program, unless I know him personally, there's just no way to know. Um. Now, there's some. There are some coaches out there that I do know personally, or and that I have tremendous confidence in, or a tremendous lack of confidence in because of like what I do know. And, you know, if we're just judging these on the surface on the resume, like, no, that's just not the way to do it. It's just not, you're just not going to get a good, a good answer. Uh, a, a good, you know, you're not going to be able to evaluate that.
1: So I, I think instead of letter grades, I want to use a no doubt, I could see it or I don't get it scale this year. Cause I feel like that's kind of what it capsulates yeah. better, you know? I like that. Like, all right. South Carolina against Napier, we're both going to say no doubt. You know, yeah, dude, we've been an hour on uh, South Carolina, Michigan, USC, Penn State.
0: I tell you, I mean, I think coaching coaching carousel season is is fun. I know we're I know we're like you know it's people's livelihood that we're you know volleying back and forth for entertainment, but it is. I think it's I think it's fascinating. There's so many angles to it and uh you know if we get a, if we get a lively carousel we'll have some good conversations
1: and there's gonna be ripple effects like some good assistant we know is going to get that Louisiana job if Napier gets you know gets South Carolina if uh if Hugh Freeze does get sucked on a job Liberty's shown they want to invest in football now somebody's going to take the Liberty job that job actually mm-hmm. might be more attractive than it was a couple years ago probably is so I, I there's there's always more stuff to talk about. and we'll do so again on the Wednesday show. Appreciate y'all listening.